Welcome to Christ Chapel College, the college outreach of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope everyone experiences what Jesus calls abundant life. So we unapologetically point to Him as the source of life and joy. If you're a college student in the Fort Worth area, we'd be stoked to connect with you. Find out more at ChristChapelCollege.org and on Instagram at ChristChapelCollege. Good morning. How you guys doing? Great. Okay, cool. 9 a.m. What's up? We doing this thing. Let's get this. Cool. Hey, uh, so today we're going to be in Romans chapter 5 like Ben was talking about. Um, and uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there right now. If you have your phones, you can open up to that. Um, one of my uh, favorite parts about my job of being the college men's director here for this ministry is that I get to hear um, <laughs> a lot of the crazy college stories that you guys often have, you know, um, you know, just because it's like these crazy moments, these spontaneous moments that you don't really know what's going to happen, um, and then it turns into this crazy, awesome, like, me- memorable story. Um, and it's funny, too, because it reminds me of some of my own college stories uh, from back in my undergrad days. And um, <laughs> one, one quick story, uh, I, uh, it was my first semester, my first year at Tarleton. Um, go Oscar P., what's up? Um, and so, you guys don't know what that means, that's fine. Um, and so uh, my, first, uh, my first year, um, it's homecoming week, right? I mean, every, every university, every school has their own uh, homecoming traditions. Like everybody does their own thing. Um, at Tarleton, um, we like to eat disgusting pancakes at 12 in the morning, uh, at 12 at night. And then we also um, like to beat oil drums with two by fours because that's fun. Um, and then we also like to just set things on fire. Um, college stuff, right? College stuff, normal college stuff. Um, but no, like literally, we actually do uh, set this, we go out to this field that's in Stephenville, and we go and we, um, we go into this open pasture. It's kind of like removed from everything. And we go and uh, this, this student organization called the Plowboys come and they, it's weird, now I know. Um, but they uh, take these hundreds of thousands of diesel-soaked wooden pallets and create this monstrous three-tiered, what looks like to be a birthday cake. And we just set on fire because it's college, right? Um, and it's, it's, it was, and it was, it's just awesome time. So like, you know, we go there and, you know, we set the whole thing on fire. It's awesome. It's just like a social event. It's pretty low key. You know, you see some friends, meet some new people. And that's exactly what happens. You know, I go with my friends and I'm meeting like my friends' friends. Like I'm saying hi to my coworkers. I'm, you know, hanging out with some of my lacrosse friends. I'm meeting their fraternity brothers and, it's a good time, and you know all that this is happening. You know, you see kind of off in the distance that there's some lightning. There's some lightning from the storm that we knew that was, you know, it was there. Like we knew because it was in the forecast. But then it's like, you know, as the week progressed, like it started to kind of dissipate, and it was like, ah, it's not going to hit us. It's fine, right? So we continue on, you know, in, in having this really fun um, social outing, and you know, the storm <laughs> starts getting a little closer. It's like, ah, uh, like, like, okay, 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 like let's. Uh, I'm sure it's probably going to miss us, but just to be safe, let's check the forecast like on our phones. Let's, cha- let's check the chance for rain. Um, and, you know, so it bumps from zero to 20%. <laughs> Huge jump. Um, and so we're like, ah, we're fine. Like, yeah, like we can see. Maybe we can even like hear some of the, like, the thunder rolling in the background. Or like, ah, it's fine. I mean, like there's some purple and red in there, but it's not going to hit us. Like it's not going to hit us. We're going to get maybe like just the cusp of it and get like a light, you know, drizzle to just really top off the night. It's going to be super refreshing. Um, 
And so as, you know, but we're thinking like, okay, like, well, just in case, let's, you know, make sure, you know, we got our picture with the bonfire and, you know, we're, you know, talking to our friends and that we're hanging out. Make sure that, you know, you have a ride back because you don't want to be stuck out here where there's this massive, you know, burning 100-foot fire tower that is just chilling in this open field that's probably overly dry and we should probably talk about that to the city of Stephenville. Um, but... Uh, you know, and so before we could be like, okay, hey, let's head out, the, the wind changes from like a smooth, like five miles an hour, 10 miles an hour to a solid 80. Guys, the entire moment just changed. The entire, the entire atmosphere just, just went from zero to 100 in the fastest way you can imagine. Because now this 100-foot fire tower that is just roaring in this field has now gone from vertical to horizontal and roaring across this open field as there's now, that, now that there's this dust and, this, and all these embers are now flying through the air, landing and singeing people's clothes, as there's thousands of us there, and then you know we still see the lighting like it's now like with us, and we're like, where did it come from? We didn't see this coming at all. And then now like we hear the thunder roaring, and and all, and then it just it breaks down to just just mass hysteria, and everybody starts screaming, ah! oh my gosh, run! And it's so funny because it's like some of the sorority girls like wore their extra high like cowboy boots out there in the field, and it's like it's really funny. Some of them fell, we trampled on them, but not really. <laughs> just kidding. Shouldn't have made that joke. That's horrible. Um, but, uh, but no, but it was like, it just in like, as you're like running to your car, as like there's people like running with you as you're screaming. I used to have a video, um, but it just got lost in, you know, phone, phone, changing phones. And, um, but as you're like running to your car, you know, you start to feel some of the rain, right? Like, okay, yeah, like that. Okay, now that makes sense. Now we feel the rain. But then it didn't, it wasn't only rain, it was hail. And it's not like hail is in like, like little skittles everywhere. It was this, it was like golf ball and like smashing your car. And I tell that story, A, because it's 100% true and I want to have it on video. I want it to be documented for the world to see. But also because I think, <laughs> I think that oftentimes, if I'm going to be real, sometimes our college experience and honestly just life can be just that, right? Like we can have... We can have our, our, sometimes our college career can go from really fun to really bad, really fast. In a moment's notice where, you know, we're, we're having a good time and we're creating memories, but then these horrible things happen in our life that we don't really get, the, that we don't really have a say in whether or not we are participating in it. And I can't imagine for you guys specifically, because you guys are having to navigate some of the funnest years that, you, that you're going through, during a pandemic that was just dropped in your lap with no manual of what, how you're supposed to do college. And like, this aside, please hear me say that you guys are doing a really great job. You guys are doing a really great job with what has been dealt to you. And our staff, our hearts break for you guys because we know that a lot of the, the recruitment stuff that's been going on that you guys have had to be a part of like so many Zoom meetings and I mean just, I mean Blackboard and classes in general, I mean like come on, that's, that's tough. Like I get that. And like even that, but like the social, it's like the social aspect of it is hard. So it's, it's, it's hard all the way across the board. It's hard, it's hard mentally, it's hard emotionally, it's hard socially, it's hard psychologically. It's just, it's hard, it's hard physically, it's hard across the board. But, and I'm like, and nobody really wants to say that because, you know, nobody wants to be like the, the wet blanket 
or the buzzkill. But, but we, can, we can say that. Like, college can be hard. And in the Bible, there's this, uh, there's this word that oftentimes is used to describe what those kind of hard moments mean. Um, and that word is called suffering. And in these, in these five verses that we're going to be getting into that Paul writes at the beginning of uh, Romans chapter 5, I think, is really going to help us make sense of what we do with that suffering, even in a 21st century context. So let's go ahead and honestly just jump right on in, um, and you'll, you guys will see what I mean. So let's go ahead and read uh, verses, starting in verse 1 of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ that through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I think what Paul writes in these five verses, I think um, there's, it gets, it gets kind of hairy because this is, I mean, Romans is this one long argument that Paul is trying to make. And it's, it's really interesting because in these five verses, Paul, um, there's, a, there's two major segments uh, that we're going to get into uh, with a really clean break um, that uh, really sets up the rest of his argument throughout the rest of Romans. So um, it's the first, let me, let me just go ahead and um, say that there's a lot of life and application in these verses, so I don't want you guys to miss this. Um, so we're just, we'll just get right into it. So verses uh, one through two is that first main segment if you're taking notes, that if you have your Bibles you can, that you like to mark in. Um, that one thing, if you, have a, if you have a highlighter, if you have a pen, if you have a crayon, like go ahead and underline or circle or highlight um, the word therefore. Um, and this is kind of like a, like a little tip of the trade, you know, from, you know, a pastorate to you guys, is that anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, ask the question, what is that therefore, therefore? Because oftentimes it ties back to what has been previously said in whatever text that you're reading. And I mean, and that's exactly what, what Paul does is that it says, therefore, since. And so he's referring to things that he's previously said. So let's go ahead and read. So therefore, since we've been justified by faith. Well, if you remember last week, if you're here, if you're live streaming or you went back and listened to the message, last week, Josh Story was up here and he preached from Romans chapter four all of Romans chapter four, where he articulated Abraham's faith, that, that Paul had articulated Abraham's faith in that it's our, our, we are no longer justified by our works, but we're actually justified by faith. And, and, and Josh did a really good job illustrating what that meant. Uh, you keep going on that um, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's another piece that Paul is referring back to because if you remember before Josh, Ben was up here and he was preaching and he talked about, um, about how no one is righteous before God. No, everybody falls underneath the category of sinner. And that we, by our natural default, we are, are opposed to God. And Ben even went on to describe this word that um, is really important um, and it's called uh, Jesus being the propitiation for our sins. And, and in layman terms, it's that Jesus was the payment to our debt. That we, that we had this long-standing debt with the God of the universe and that it kept us from having a right relationship with him. And then Jesus came and he became that payment so that we could be right with God. 
And then we keep going on through verse two and it says, through him, Jesus, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So it's, so in, in, in just that verse alone, we just have this really beautiful illustration of just what the gospel is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he came, died for our sins, took on the debt that we owed God and made it to where we could have free, unlimited access to an all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present God of the universe and fabricator of reality that was free because of what Jesus Christ did. That's the gospel. But, but as I was kind of making, as I kind of alluded to earlier, there's, a, there's, there's two segments to what Paul writes in these five verses. And at the beginning of verse three, there's a shift. So let me go ahead and reread, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Guys, Paul makes this profound, if we're gonna be honest, like this, this immaculate claim in verse, at the beginning of verse three, because he says, not only that, well, is he, what, okay, that's another kind of linchpin phrase. And he says, what, right before that, he says, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, yeah, we get that. Like, we can rejoice in the gospel. We can rejoice in that. Like, that makes sense. But he has the audacity to then make this claim that not only that, like, we don't only rejoice in that, we can rejoice in our suffering. Here's the thing. Side moment. We oftentimes have a temptation to take verses like these Romans chapter five, verse three, and turn them into these cutesy, quotable, Instagram bioable phrases that are just like, that we kind of just water down. We, we take the meeting and you know, we just kind of water it down to be this cutesy phrase. Please do not hear me when I read this verse that that is what is happening here. This is not a verse that is making light of suffering in any capacity. Because if you truly knew who Paul was, who's, who's the author of this book, you would know that Paul's life is the, the almost literal definition of what suffering is. And he's writing to people who are going through suffering as well, that at one point or another, whether you're, I mean, whether you guys are going through suffering right now, or you probably will at some point later on, that Paul says that suffering is hard. At no capacity is, is suffering easy or simple. Suffering's hard. Suffering's complex. It's, it's dirty and wicked and confusing. And sometimes we just don't know what to make with any of it. That is not, Paul is saying that suffering is hard because he gets it. Now, this isn't a verse that we can just rip off the page and slap on a coffee mug. But this is a verse that we wrestle with. This is a verse that whenever we're up late at night, two or three in the morning in our bed, just trying to keep our mental and our, and our, live, our lives just together because of what's going on in our life, and we read verses like these, and we ask the question of how? 
How can we go, how, how, how can we rejoice, how can I rejoice in a moment like this? Because that's the temptation that oftentimes, I mean, I've, I've gotten this myself is that, you know, we have like the, we have some Christian friends and some Christian brothers and sisters who like, you know, do the whole like pat on the shoulder like, hey, it's okay, bud. You can rejoice in your suffering. It's okay. Just shake it off. But the reality is, is that that's, that's a lot harder to actually do than what we say it is. I don't think, I don't think you have to be a profound, you don't have to be this profound theologian, this, this Bible thumper to know that. Because at, at some capacity or another, we've all gone through suffering. But what I love is that Paul doesn't leave this verse at verse three and then just continues to talk about other things. Paul goes ahead, he, he goes ahead and illustrates this concept that, that God has created a step-by-step process to produce hope from our suffering. So that's, that's still kind of vague and like, yeah, we kind of read it in like verses three, four, and five, but let's go ahead and like unravel this and see kind of like what falls out. So the first step, if you're taking notes, is that suffering produces endurance. And this isn't, I mean, whenever I think of this, I think of, you know, you think of the word endurance, you think of, you know, suffering and, and enduring, you think of, I mean, to me, you think of um, exercise, right? Ex- like that's not like a new concept, like, oh my gosh, exercising, what's that? But like, you know, you, you understand the concept that you like, you, like, you, you, like you work out and you, you go to intentionally tear the fibers, the muscle fibers in your body so that they'll rebuild stronger, right? Like we understand that, like we say yes to soreness, we say yes to pain, we say yes to not being able to walk for two weeks straight or being able to sit down right because we know that in the end it's gonna be worth it, right? Like we say, like we say yes to these hard things because we know that it's gonna make us better at on, on the back end. And as I was kind of like diving through, I was kind of doing some studying and like really kind of like, just kind of like really just working this way through, I was just kind of like thinking about like, what else do we do this through? And like, I mean, kind of like dialogue with me, like what else do we do? What else do we kind of like have this concept with in our lives? And I think it's funny um, because I'm still, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still a student. I'm getting my master's right now at Southwestern and um, I know all the studying that you guys are going through. Um, and honestly, maybe it's sometimes we say yes to these long, long hours of suffering behind a textbook and being behind Blackboard, where we have to do these discussion boards because we know at the end of it, we're going to have to, we're going to have to get the grades to end up getting the, get the degree to then so that we can get the job. You know, we say yes to those things like those. I mean, this is, this one is going to hit a little home, but you know, just full transparency up here. Um, Maybe you say yes to rocking the jar of peanut butter with like the spoon buried inside of it that is in the convenient little carrying case that you can put in your backpack because you want to maybe save a little money so that you can maybe go out and go blow it at Windstar like on the weekend, right? Like I, I, may, I can neither confirm nor deny if I've actually done that. So um, full transparency. Uh, and it's, I say those things, but, and like we do that with so many other things in our life. Like we, we do this, we say yes to these things because we know that in the end it's gonna be worth it. 
And stick with me. It's funny then, then that we don't, that we don't quit whenever we're doing those things, right? Like we know that like whenever we're saving money, we're doing these things, we're, we're, we know that because at the end of it, it's gonna yield some, some, some results. Why don't we do that with our faith? Why is it that whenever we go through hard times or that hard times are knocking on our front doorstep and that we don't really get the, the decision whether or not we partake or not, that why do we use those things as disclaimers or, or as pieces of proof to go against the existence of God? I, I get it. Suffering is hard and suffering is the worst thing. But how often times do we do this? That we do this with everything else, but why do we do it with this? Why don't we do it with this? Why don't we believe that sometimes the things that we're going through actually can yield positive results in our faith? And honestly, I think it's because we just we don't we honestly just don't see what's at the end of the tunnel of the suffering. Because we get to suffering, we we get to endurance, but like what like what comes after endurance whenever it comes to our faith? And that leads to step three, and it's, or I'm sorry, step two, and it says endurance produces character. And side story again, um, I, back, uh, it was my last year at Tarleton, and um, I had this guy who discipled me, his name was Jonathan, um, really awesome guy. Um, the dude just had a way with conversation. The dude had, just knew how to have rich, genuine, authentic conversations. Not like conversations that like, you know, you're just like, Hey, how are you? Good? Okay, cool. I'm not going to ask anything else about you just because I really don't care. But maybe it's like, hey, sports, right? Sports, players, teams, fantasy, right? Bad calls. Come on. Right? But like real genuine conversation. Like Jonathan knew how to have conversations that were like life-giving and that you walked away feeling encouraged and I mean, like in, in college, like I had like my social savviness to like, you know, hold my own in a conversation. And, but like, I didn't have, I didn't know how to have conversation like Jonathan did. And so in this discipleship relationship, you know, for a year, for a week in and week out, every single week, he would, he would drag me sometimes by my teeth uh, out to Walmart parking lots and parks and have these these uh, conversations, these biblical uh, conversations engaging with complete strangers. And, you know, he handled it like a pro. Like, it was fine. Like, I was there, and I'm like, I have my popcorn. I'm like, yeah, you're going to get saved. Mm, heck yeah. But then it was like, he looked at me, and he's like, okay, your turn. And I'm like, hmm, I come again? And I did, so we did that for about a year, and it was some of the, it was like one of the most, it was one of the most awkward years of my life just because I had to engage with these complete strangers in Walmart parking lots, not really knowing how to like navigate my way through intentional conversation to really hit the person that who I had just met really in the heart and really ask them the like really juicy questions and really get to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. But after a year of doing that, of Jonathan holding my feet to the fire and holding me accountable to doing those things, God used Jonathan 
in a way so unique that it shaped my character in such a specific way that is innately part of who I am today. I mean, hindsight 2020, I look back and I'm like, man, yeah, that was super awkward. But like, I also see that it was something that God was using. It was a vehicle for, for what God had and what he had to do inside of me to shape this character that now was gonna stick with me for the rest of my life. And how that character then influences other people in other ways that I don't see. And none of it is by my own power. It's all by God and what he's done through people into my life. And I mean, but let me go ahead and ask this, like, what is that for y'all? Like, obviously, you guys don't have a guy named Jonathan. You guys don't have, you know, you guys weren't out in Walmart parking lots at 11 o'clock on a Thursday asking like, hey, Patricia, how's it going? What are you up to? You gonna go get some groceries? Cool. Hey, can we hold you up for five minutes? Like, obviously, that's not, that's not like maybe like what you guys have, have, are maybe going through. Maybe that's not maybe the thing that you're in, enduring. But what are some of the things in your life? Like take take the, self, the, 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 the chance to self-examine your life and being like, what are, some, what are some of the hard things that I'm going through? Because I think, and the reason why I asked that is to A, just give you the, the kind of the opportunity to like, kind of like sit on that maybe for this next week and really like self-examine, like what are some of the hard things I'm going through in my life? What are some of the suffering that, that I'm, I've been enduring all the way up until this point? Because if I, if, I if, I, if I can be real with you guys, that I know that some of you are probably tired. And that's fair. Like, it's, it's, it's tiring to go through this, pro, this constant process of having to continually endure. But guys, please hear me when I say this. Don't give in to the temptation just to numb the suffering and the enduring that you're going through. Don't numb it. Like, I know, I, like, I get, guys, I get that you're tired. But please don't miss that this could be an opportunity for God to shape a character inside of you that, that is so specific to you that's gonna influence you and so many others that you're gonna come in contact with in later in life. And it's, sometimes we just, sometimes saying, yes to the easy things isn't always the best. Sometimes we have to say yes to the hard things. But then that kind of begs the next question is that like, well, what does character do? Like what, does, like, what good does character produce in my life? Like what's the, so I mean, kind of like, okay, like suffering, yeah, I have that, we all have that. Like endurance, like okay, like I've been going through it, but there really isn't like a way out. And like, okay, so then now I have this thing called character, but what good does that character have inside of me? Well, let me go and share something, is that character produces this certain thing inside of you called hope. And there's a, there's a really great story uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. There's this guy, his name is David. He's, he was a king, he was a very prominent king at the time. Um, he was a, he was a, um, he was, Long story short, he was a guy who was uh, promised um, by God through his prophet Samuel who said, hey, you know, you may be the youngest of all of your brothers, 
but you are going to be the king of Israel one day. And the, and, and, the, and the current reigning king would come and he would be, see that as a threat because he was anointed as king at one point. And it's like, oh, hey, like this David guy's a threat. I'm going to go take him out. So, it, so Saul chased David out into the wilderness for years. And David lived in caves and he hung out with bandits who just kind of like, who just kind of like gravitated towards him as he's now using pillows. He's using rocks for pillows and he's like hanging out with thieves and bandits and runaways and stragglers. And then Saul ends up dying, not by David's hand, but he, then David becomes the king, right? Just as God had promised. But then years later, even whenever David is king, he still faces suffering. In that he has this son named Absalom, who out of just sheer pride and arrogance for, for almost a decade, goes and he, and he begins to spread these lies about his own dad and then begins to lead this insurrection in the entire empire to dethrone his dad. And as David is sitting on the throne that God had promised, David has to run and flee out the back door for his life that his own son is trying to take. But in the midst of that suffering, listen to what David says. This is his heart. In Psalm 13, starting in verse one, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have, a, and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider me and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. <laughs> I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is a guy who's gone, whose entire life is marked and, and his entire story is just chalked up with suffering. How can a guy go through all of that and still say what he says? Because he went through God's process to produce hope from suffering. And that David's character may have been marked with suffering, but his life was known for his hope in the Lord. And that David's life is one of the best depictors of what this process is. God has created a step-by-step -step process for us to produce hope from our suffering. Guys, do we trust that? Do you trust God in the hard things that you're going through? Maybe, 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 maybe you didn't get into the sorority or the fraternity that you wanted. Maybe you didn't even get into one at all because nobody wanted you. Maybe you're living 
in, in the least ideal living situation, in some of the, what are supposed to be some of the funnest years of your life. Maybe you're just having a hard time f- making a friend, finding that someone who knows who you are and, and takes the time out of their day to ask you, how are you? In all these hardships and suffering, do you trust that God will still bring about something beautiful? If you're, if you're sitting in this room or if you're, in, if you're watching this on the live stream and you say like, oh yeah, like for sure. I have three questions. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said yes. I'm glad that you have the confidence to say yes. But I really, what I, ask, I wanna ask some, some really like practical questions and some, some more like diagnostic questions that are gonna kind of really see like how far we're willing to put this process into practice. And my first question is this, when things get hard, what do you turn to? That's a fair question, right? Like whenever things get hard, what do you turn to? Because oftentimes we turn to these things that we think are gonna remedy our suffering But how often do we just go back to that same thing over and over and over again? And the thing that makes this so hard is because this looks different for everybody all across the board. When when things get hard, what do you turn to? My second question is, because of how you've suffered and what, the, what you've gone through in this process, do you have empathy for others? Because if you, if, I'm gonna get real with you. If you've gone through this whole process, that you've gone through suffering and you've chosen to endure it and in enduring that has shaped and forged a character inside of you to then have hope in the glory of God and also to have hope in your sufferings, making it full circle, that you then look to this God of the universe that tells you to love your neighbor as yourself and to bear in other people's burdens. Do you do that? Do you look and see the, the, the suffering that you've gone through and you see it maybe in someone else's life and you're like, my heart breaks for you because I know how hard that is. Are we, are we a people who are quick to engage in other people and, and get into other people's stuff and help them go through it, just like someone probably did for all of us? My last question is, can you rest in God's plan? Can you rest knowing that suffering, that the suffering you're going through, God has a purpose for Do you trust the process and do you trust a divine creator, a sovereign creator who has everything in control, whether you believe it or not, he has everything in control. And that whenever we feel like, whenever we, whenever we don't feel it or we don't see it, just like what Paul says in that we know and that we can, re- that not only that, but we can rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance in the whole cycle.
Can we rest in the process? Can we rest in the knowledge that we have a divine creator who loves his creation and knows what's best for his creation? Guys, our prayer as a ministry is that you guys would know that God of the universe. At the end of the day, Do you know who Jesus Christ is and what he did for you and, and, and gave you the ability to have all access to a God that loves you and that died for you? Do you know that kind of love? And that in that love that we can know that then we are now going through this process, that as we go through this process, we know that God's hand is, is with us every step of the way. And that we can rest in the idea that things may be hard right now, but one day things will be better. Do we trust the process and do we, do we trust a divine creator with our lives and our suffering? Let me pray. God, you are so good in so many ways. God, you are you move in ways that we oftentimes don't even see, but God, that we can know. God, we love you that your faithfulness doesn't hinge on our faithfulness to you, but that God, that you are faithful through and through, and that we have a relationship with you so that whenever things do get hard, we can look to you and ask, God, why is this happening to me? And that God, that we know that we can, we can wrestle with those thoughts knowing at the end of the day that God, you love us and we can rest in that. God, I pray for these college students as they're going through some of the hardest times of their life right now when it's supposed to be some of the funnest. But God, would you be with them and would they know that God, you love them and you're with them. That your love supersedes any of their circumstances that they're going through. God, we love you so much and we're so thankful for your son. It's in your son's name that I pray.